Hey everybody, it's Justin here with Building Scale uh, with another episode of our Building Connection series. We've partnered with Keymakers, an organization out of Arizona here that is purposefully making executive connections, both owners and C-suite members uh, that are looking to strategically find partners and grow their business. They had an event uh, last week where I got to attend and talk to their uh, fireside chat panel. That was amazing. Uh, and I got to just have a conversation about business, life, legacy, value creation, impact purpose um, with these three gentlemen. And it was amazing. They are all unique in their own way, very successful in their own way. And uh, yeah, it was just a really great conversation. So this will be a little bit different, a lot less of me, uh, you know, posing question after question, more uh, just having a conversation between a bunch of awesome individuals. Uh, as well as about 10 minutes in, uh, Gilles had to go fix the sauce, uh, which you'll hear uh, in there. And then we we pick up the conversation back again with just Lee and Mark. Uh, so you know that. Um, and it, it was it was kind of amazing. The, the food was outstanding. Gilles Epe is a Michelin star chef. He actually won his Michelin star, the youngest uh, chef ever to do that at 22 years old. And uh, just had won best burger in the world, so that's that's pretty good considering there's about eight billion people on the planet. Um, and uh, the food was unbelievably outstanding. I can't uh, emphasize that enough. Um, and then uh, Mark Candelaria, uh, he runs Candelaria Design, which is a luxury uh, residential design firm here in uh, Arizona. Uh, they do work in uh, other places as well, but uh, is is quite the staple and uh, stranglehold of the Arizona market when it comes to uh, high-end design. He's also a chef himself, uh, which he helps uh, Gilles, uh, or he did help Gilles that day as his sous chef, which was just fun and amazing. And then Lee Benson uh, is an author, uh, best-selling author for both Your uh, Most Important Number as well as Value Creation Kid. Uh, so this is really just the conversation that we, we all got together and had, and, uh, I, I just really hope you enjoy learning a little bit about them and hearing their thoughts on, and what's made them successful in life business and with their, uh, ongoing legacy. Hey everybody, it's Justin. I am here with, uh, Mark Candelari, Gilles Epi, Epi. Uh, and Lee Benson. Thank you guys for joining me today. Super excited to talk about life, business, legacy. You are all very successful in your own ways, uh, which is magical in all kinds of different settings. And I'm excited to uh, learn more about you. So uh, to kick this off, uh, I want to ask about when do you think about impact and purpose? Like where, where are those places? Obviously, you've gone through a lot of career and a lot of life. Is that something you thought about earlier in your career and now... Uh, are just executing that at a high level? Or is this something that is more recent that you were initially kind of nose to the ground and now it's something that you're trying to really have more of an impact and a value creation? Uh, we'll start with you. Well, something, uh, I started to cook when I was 14 years old, so I didn't go to school that much. And uh, all of my life, I've been in the kitchen, working with the, you know, the high-end chef in France. And then uh, 
from day one, I was just loving cooking with my mom in the beginning, and then I decided to be a chef, and then I worked long hours. I've been trained since I was a kid to learn, to work hard and long hours, a lot of time without a vacation, years without vacation, sometimes with no days off. But that's the only way uh, you could become very good at what you're doing, and uh, you... I'm passionate about, you know, what I'm doing. And I think he, uh, he came to me uh, not right away. It took six years to be able to really feel like become a chef and a real chef because a lot of people can call themselves a chef. But uh, being a chef is take more than a few, few years. It takes years and years to to learn and cooking every day and and learning from people it takes at least 10 years then you can call yourself a chef or working in the real kitchen and that's when uh, that's what i do you know all of my life and uh, even of today you know i'm learning every day since like today i have to redo <laughs> the sauce because like i said you know you think you're good and sometimes you know, it's happened, you have to do it again, and it's part of learning. But what I do, I'm going to share with you. Yeah, that's that's an amazing dedication. Ten years to be really good at it, and you're still not where you could be. That's, yeah, that's it takes ten years. So you can, you know, takes, yeah, you can call yourself after ten years a chef, maybe a chef. But right. you will chef take Years and I still an apprentice as of today. I'm learning every day. Yep. I'm yep. learning from everyone every day. That's incredible. So just incredible. Thank that's you. why give me in my uh, yeah. drive me every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not easy, but you know, that's what I do. I, I love that. <laughs> you know, Justin, for me, um, to answer the question, every single day is about like creating value in the world, you know, mm -hmm. material value, emotional energy value, uh, spiritual value, and it's the lens through which I make every decision. So when I look at my 40-year overnight success story in business, <laughs> which happens really fast, right, yeah. um, going through, uh, this developed, and it's super solid right now, and how I think about and act. Yeah. yeah. How about for you, Mark? It's what I've learned, and I say it more and more now that I've run the marathon. It's a marathon. It is. You know, is yeah. when you're when you first start, you're just trying to win every little race, you know, <laughs> and you don't win them all, obviously. That's right. Uh, but now that you look back, you go, well, even though I didn't win all those sprints, I've won the marathon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I've learned even that now that I've gotten to this point in life, you know, when you do have a little misstep or a failure, I don't worry about it as much as I did when I first started. Because when you first start, you think this is the end, you know. And as you get older, you realize, no, this is just another opportunity to learn, as you guys have been saying. And so I don't, I don't let it get to me. I just say, okay, what can I learn from this that will make me even better the next time? Yeah. And you just, you just keep winning the marathon, you know? So I wonder why so many people don't learn that to trust the struggle as they yeah. go through it. And because you'll come out the other side most. Uh, well, it's hard. And it's hard up. when you're young because you think it is the end, you know? Yeah. Everything, there's so much pressure when you're young. Right. You don't have to, you're still trying to prove yourself. Yeah. And... I think, you know, that's just as I look back, I go, wow, those are the things I thought were so horrible and so, you know, life-ending, they were actually quite small, you know. 
Yeah. And so it's funny how your perspective changes after doing this now for me for 40, 42 years. Yeah. So, but it's good. I wouldn't trade any of the struggles. Oh, because it made me. Who now I that am. you're on this side. Well, and some and some of the best people I've ever met went through a lot of struggle, and they say they wish they could do it differently. And I tell them, I, I wish you. I'm glad you did it the way you did because of who you became. Right. That's why you know something in the kitchen says something when I do it. <laughs> the sauce doesn't it, always turn out. Yeah. Right? So I can, I'm going to fix it, but sometimes you surprise. One thing about me and uh, I'm always like uh, when I do a dish, for example, I always. To do it and do it again exactly the first what I, what I, if I was doing the first time with the same respect and passion and for the ingredients and for the people I'm cook I'm cooking for, yeah. you know. How, how how much is exact measurements or just by feel as you're doing it with the ingredients and what it tastes like? I've always wondered about that. Some well, people have to. The the question. You, you you cannot say, okay, I'm going to create a recipe today. It's not going to happen. It doesn't work this way. Okay. When I get to do the menu, first of all, uh, I figure out where, where, where I'm at, you know. I, I go to the market, and then I create something in my mind. I know the combination, the flavors in my mind before I test it. Usually, I'm right. Sometimes, I'm wrong, but usually, yeah. 90% of the time I'm right. So I just create the recipe in my mind. Yep. I don't have cookbooks. So many chefs that cookbooks uh, they don't they don't even they don't even open the books just to look at pictures. But I don't do that. I have three cookbooks, the Escoffier, which is the classic French uh, Bible from, from from the French cuisine. Yeah. I have two other books and I, I can wait sometime to remind me some ingredients and some you know, amount of the bananas, for example, I don't remember how much vinegar you have to put on it. So I have to read it. Otherwise, I don't read books. It's in my mind, which is pretty scary because sometimes I wake up, you know, the middle of the night, I say, I have to write something because... You don't want to forget it. I, yeah, yeah, otherwise I'm going to forget <laughs> the next day. Yeah. That's the way I've... Well, it's so interesting. Maybe I'm crazy, but... You no, you're, you're exactly spot on. I mean, what I've learned... You know, because my, my profession is an architect, mm -hmm. but I love to cook as a hobby, uh -huh. you know. And what you just said about ingredients and formulating it in your mind, it's the exact same thing in architecture. And I, when, I, when I'm cooking, I notice the similarities. It's mm -hmm. like I think of my ingredients. Am I doing arches? Am I doing straight? Are my windows divided? You know, it's the same exact process. Exactly. <laughs> what I find, what the difference is, cooking is a lot faster. Architecture takes years and years. I mean, imagine doing it, making a dinner that la that took you three years to bake. Well, yeah, think, I, I, think, yeah, think about our employees in in business. Yeah. So I've I've had seven different companies so far that I started. The biggest one over five hundred team members, and the employees are the ingredients. Yeah. And every day their flavors change, and you're moving things around. It's not like this spreadsheet. You go apply step one through five, and you'll be successful. You right. have to constantly be working with the ingredients. So. As a metaphor, I think it's perfect. It is perfect. like to, to have a business. Yep. Well, that's why I suffered a bit when I go, when I came to America the first time, because ingredients as the main key for the chef and, you know. Yeah. I, that's how, you know, how hard to find, find here. To find. <laughs> so when I went to Washington like two years ago, I had to create something. I'd never been in Washington before. I had to create the old menu. I had to... Yeah. 
to find the right vendors, you know, yeah. the right producer and everything. So I I work a lot with the Amish people because, first of all, they're they, they farmers, they're fresh, they know what they're doing. They're only about art, the art, the bad situation with that. You can't even talk to the guy. You can't even call him. He's at the phone. <laughs> right. So I need to deal with someone who deal with them and he knows yeah. them for many years. Otherwise, but they, they came out with the most beautiful chicken, for example. And uh, they they thanks me for for helping them to raise the most beautiful chicken they right. had made before. Well, they're good carpenters, too. They're good carpenters. <laughs> yeah, they're good. <laughs> yes. Jeff, I think you're being actually called to the kitchen right now. I think okay. is okay. giving me the sign yes. to, I have to, to make do, the sauce. I have to do my sauce. Okay. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so I much for joining us. Okay. Awesome. We were just uh, off air talking about connections yeah. and good, good energy people. What, what have you found about that uh, in life? How has that helped success when, you, when you're growing your design firm, Mark, or you're growing the aviation company? Lee, where have you found that bringing people together really is mm. this leverage, you know, this, this lever that you get to pull on. You want me to start? With you go ahead, go ahead and start. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you hear about a lot of business folks that say it's lonely at the top and they're looking <laughs> for groups. And, and then I notice when it gets really tough, they hunker down and they don't reach out. And I, I believe if you're lonely, it's hundred percent by choice because there is a community out there. Like you were saying, Mark, that, yep. that it's, they're on the same vibration with you, the same right. energy, you know, coming in. And so cultivating that, is so important. And I, I put it in the bucket of um, spiritual value creation because it's connected to something bigger, deeper. which is different for everybody. Big, yeah, deeper, more yep. connected. So building community, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I've learned to really pay attention to that, to really tune into that when I'm with people. Am I, am I feeling that energy? Am I feeling that deeper connection or the potential for the deeper connection? Yeah. And I think it's one of those things, too, that I found in life. Again, the marathon analogy is the more I do it, it's like exercise, I guess, which I need, probably need to do more of, but uh, the more you do it, you just get better and better at finding that energy that really resonates with you, that you know is going to lead to some great things, not only for you, but for the other person. I mean, I think a lot of people get caught up in what's in it for me, and I'm always trying to look at it from the perspective, what can I do for this person? Mm-hmm. And it, it, by flipping that around for me has really changed my life. Now, mm-hmm. you know, And things come back to you, tenfold from what you ever could have wished for yourself yeah. by just putting it towards, you know, building that energy and building that connection with somebody else. Yeah. I love that. I, yeah. I, I, Did I, you find that that happened at a certain point where you, you had this mindset shift of how can I give value to them? Like, how can I help them and not necessarily think not, so, I'm not saying selfishly, yeah. but not think like, how is this going to help me? How's this going to help the firm? How's this going to help the people that I'm closest to? Right. For me, it's, it was a, it was an evolutionary thing. It would just evolved over time. And it, again, I think it's just maturity and, and, you know, doing things different ways and seeing what the results are. And I just learned over time, you know, this, we're, we're so involved in the community with different um, charities and I love it because I meet, I meet great people that are, you know, people that are giving and charities that are volunteering their time right away, you know, they're great people, you know? And so the more I do it, the more I get involved with, with things like that, I just meet the most amazing people that really inspire me. And it took time to, to do that, but I love it. You know, it's a really fulfilling thing for me. What about you, Lee? Sure. Your value creation uh, extraordinaire. 
So, so Mark, selfish, selfishly, you want to feel good, right? Yeah, exactly. Right? Of course, <laughs> right? We all do. We all want to yeah. feel good. And what's going to do it there that's going to be beneficial to not only you but everybody? Right. And, and that's how I think about it. So um, for me, it's not so much what can I do for somebody else. It's what can I do for everybody else. Right. And, and probably 20, 30 years ago, I figured out that when I do that, it'll expose me to opportunities that I can choose to be part of, yes or no, but way more opportunities right. if it's all about what can I get out of something. Right, totally. And it's worked so well. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's that marathon perception. You know, it's like, I'm not going to get something out of this right away. I might, I might never get anything out of this. Mm -hmm. But you don't worry about that. You worry about, you know, what, what's this, how am I going to win this long-term race and yeah. do good things. And again, every time I've, I've kind of gone back to that perspective of the marathon, it's always proven to be the right choice. You know, sometimes there's hard choices to make and you're not, you know, you have to make a mistake and you might have to cough up some money to, to fix it, but it's, it's the right thing to do, you know? So. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's, that's totally how I think about it. And we can sustain this and scale it, grow it forever. Yep. But if it's, Win lose self right. instead of win win selfishness. Right. Losers won't hang out very long, so you can't you can't really scale that. And, and I love how it grows the community that we were talking exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing is just raise all the ships. You know, they're just always trying to push everyone to a higher level. Yeah. And I love that when I'm around people that think that way because that's what's going to happen, and you know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, and so you just get out there and start paddling, and boom. You know, it's yeah. amazing what happens. Yeah, 100%. It's really that give-to-give give mentality. Yeah. Well, create value for everybody all the time, and then you get to choose which opportunities that expose themselves that you want to be part of. Yeah. It's that simple. You know, what, I, what frustrates me in the world today is most people, unfortunately, at least from my experience, are practicing virtue signaling, not practicing real virtue. So for me, practicing real, real virtue is you're creating objectively measurable value in the world. And at the same time, you're pushing back on things that take value out of the world. So you're either a value creator or you're taking value out of the world by somehow rigging the game. <laughs> and, and there's certain environments, you know, like politics, for example, that culturally is mostly a game rigging uh, culture. And that's why it feels so strange to me and probably to a lot of folks. You know, so my mission and my goal is how do we change the world and connect culture to value creation and make those people as a group much, much bigger. Right. And the folks rigging the game, you know, shrink them down yeah. a little bit. This has been going on for thousands of years, yeah. mm -hmm. never going away. Yeah. It's human nature. So we just need to puff up the value creation side a little bit more. How, totally. does, how does that land? No, that, I think that's spot on. Exactly yeah. correct. You know, I think I think. The people that are trying to add value to the world, we just have to do more. We just have to, we have to outlast and outwin the ones that are trying to suck, you know, the energy out of everybody else. Yeah. And I think intentionally and proportionally push back on things that are taking value out. Right. Like silence doesn't help me in my efforts. I, I have to <laughs> say, no, that that's not adding value. That's taking it out of the world in some way. And, and that's why I think about it holistically. Material value creation is important to cultivate, mm -hmm. you know, money, stuff, all sure. of that. But the emotional energy and the spiritual value creation macro buckets, yeah. do it in balance. And it's, it's crazy amazing how happens. much better you feel. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just better. And again, it's not altruism. It's not virtue signaling. It's just how we elevate internal fulfillment in my view sure exactly especially it's wonderful when you can get around a, a group of people that all believe in that how that energy just 
it's infectious, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, I love when I'm around positive people that are trying to do exactly what you just said. It's just, the energy's limitless. It's really limitless. It becomes, yeah. it becomes infinite. hundred percent. I think I've heard you say, Lee, before that it's the ultimate. Now, it's not time. It's not the, that's, that's not it. It's, that's not the elusive uh, piece of the equation. It's the actual, the energy. Because if you're at a nine or a 10, yeah. you can achieve anything. Like yeah, I, I actually think, because most people, when they're asked the question, what's the scarcest commodity? Well, it's time or it's your health or something along those lines. And for me, it's positive emotional energy. Mm. Because on a scale from one to 10, if I'm running a nine or 10, my arm could fall off and I go, whatever, I've got another one. That's, <laughs> that's why you get perspective. Right. And if I'm one or two, I get a flat tire and it ruins my week or, you know, and I'm, and I'm done. So, you know, again, I'd rather live only half as long on nine or 10 than twice as long on one or two. Absolutely. If that makes sense. And, <clears throat> and positive emotional energy supercharges Everything. material value creation, spiritual value creation in the context of a business yeah it's the connectedness with our team members right you know going totally. through so that's why i think a positive emotional energy is the scarcest commodity on the planet yep that's something we teach a lot or we really try to expose our staff to is is positiveness so when we we take take times off you know during each quarter and we talk just about this stuff mm. and you know they look at me kind of like i'm crazy and then they they try a few things and they're like wow it's kind of this stuff kind of works you know but it, you got to take the time to do it because most employees, most people never even know about this stuff. Yeah. You know, and I think as an employer, as a leader, as a mentor, you want to teach, especially a lot of the younger people. It's great because they're all in this in the sprint mode still, instant gratification and stuff and teach them, mm-hmm. hey, you're just you're just starting this race. You know, it's going to be a long race. So I, I think yeah. it's important to take time to just share what we've learned over the years. Yeah. You know, and. Fortunately, we're still learning. That's the best part. Well, it's great that you're intentionally doing it because mm-hmm. most, again, back to virtue signaling, oh, culture is important and we care about this and that. But when you look under the covers, it's all about only the money. But right. they say the other stuff so they can look good so people will do business with them. But you're intentionally doing it. And I congratulate you for that. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And we've, we actually talk about this specifically. So we you go, you know, if we just focus on the money side of what we're doing, we're missing out on so many opportunities to, to build relationships with our builders, with our clients. And so let's focus on our values, our mission, what we're about. If we do it, all those things correctly, the money will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. And it, and it does, it's amazing, you know? So it's like, let's focus on those inner spiritual things that make us a different company, different group of people. hundred percent. Yeah. Totally agree. How does a, a leader, <clears throat> start actually implementing real culture not we're oh we have a great culture we do these things all all the oh we go on trips or we have a pinball machine or hey we we give you lunch whatever it is how do you create real culture that does take positivity or does take value creation as a real anchor on this is how we want to achieve greatness like this is the path how we get there yeah well um I think foundationally, at least for me, we should be connecting culture to value creation and we should be super intentional about it. So if we have a mission statement or a set of behaviors or leadership traits, before we even draft them, we should have a statement that says, this is how having this will make us more successful as a company, i.e. create more value. And now we're drafting the right alignment tools 
And then how do we operationalize that? So at the critical touch points, like you talked about quarterly going through this stuff. And, yep. <clears throat> and I think it should be in onboarding and performance reviews and, and every part of it, that this is our intentional culture where we're using it to connect culture to value creation and it becomes infused. And so now, now it's intentional. You can grow to a hundred thousand, a million employees. And if you do this right operationally, you'll get the same culture everywhere. And, and a lot of companies, um, it feels really good. Hey, it's great to work here. We have an amazing culture, but they can't describe it. It just right, happened, right. which means it can blow up pretty darn fast. So I think, I think the key is designing it correctly, putting the right thought into it. What are you really trying to accomplish? And then operationalize it um, going yeah. forward. And like, like somebody said earlier too, it's not, you know, the what, it's the who. And it's, it's about getting the right people because some people won't ever get it. And as much as you preach it and try to, and you need to you need to keep a watchful eye on those people that you see that just aren't they don't they're not into it. Then they probably need to be off your bus, you know. Mm-hmm. And and then there's going to be those that do get it, and you want to just put your energy and time into those people because they're the ones that are going to keep lifting everyone else up. So you're all I'm always watching who are my people that I want to keep on the bus and let the bus go and go down this journey, and who are the ones that need to come off, you know? Because some people just don't get it period. As much as you can preach it and do it, they're just, they're energy suckers or whatever you want to call yeah, it, you know, vampires or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're all out there, but you know, when you get a group that are really into it, I always use football, you know, football team as an example, when you get a team that they're, they're you know, they, they either have that in, inherent spirit in their soul and you can teach them how to block and do all those things, but you have someone that doesn't have that inner soul, you can teach them how to block and they're still never going to learn. You know, they're not going to learn yeah. that that one part of the equation that makes them great. Yeah. Well, and not everybody's right for your culture. Right. And that's okay. Yep. That's, that's okay. why it's so important to hire for that. And can I help you find another job in a culture that, that fits, fits you? you better? Because everybody's got some sort of value creation superpower yep. that they can cultivate. Yeah. Yeah. But when you get that team together that is gelling and all of it, it's, it's amazing. It's the funnest thing to be a part of. Magic. Right? It's magic, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Love that. When you find the right people that are culturally fit, they have the same energy, they are going that way, does that change over time? Do you find that you had this person that was so devoted to the idea or vision that you you had, and then at some point they change and they go a, a different way? Or do you find that when you know the core of somebody that's the core of them. And that's always going to be the case. It's for me, it's a person by person situation. I've had people that have left and I guess, however you want to look at this, fortunately they've started their own firm and then have done great. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, that's how I started my business. I left the firm that I was at for 18 years and started my firm. And I would think from what I remember about 30 firms have spawned from that firm. And now I've probably had about, I probably have about eight or 10 firms that have spawned from my firm. Mm. So that happens, you know, and, and not everyone that has left obviously got on to start their own business. Uh, but that's you, an incredible legacy. Yeah. So that's oh part of building that legacy. <laughs> Took the words out of my mouth, please. <laughs> that's it is. That's yeah. to see others go on and have impact in their own way. Right. Like that's the, gotta be it. That's got, that feeling well, has to be what's, amazing. What's been fun is, you know, I have other builders then that have worked with, with some of the people that have left and they go, yeah, they do it. They're, they're doing it exactly the same way you do. And they're, you're the only one that does it that way, but now they do it that way. 
And so it's like, okay, well, you know, obviously what the way we were doing, it wasn't too bad because they're, they're copying it, you know? Yeah. But we always add the things like cooking our trips, our tours, you know, we just add a lot more to what, what we do to make us different from our competition. Yeah. And from my aerospace days, um, all the leaders that were there, they went off to be senior leaders or actually run other businesses. Yep. It's like, yes, I won, you know, and yeah. that, that I couldn't ask for anything more than that. And that's, that's kind of part of the legacy. That's part of, yep. That's how it works, I guess. Right. Yeah. Legacy is interesting because we're generally not here for it. <laughs> we're yeah, building a after. thing that we won't be here for theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um, what what when you think of these leaders going off and doing these things or maybe your family or you know where where you see that i will be remembered or i've created a difference while i was here what 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 does that spawn what what emotions and, and thoughts does that kind of give you today because obviously then you won't necessarily won't have it, it. <clears throat> i think about that especially the older i get and Again, having had the experience of working with a great mentor for 18 years, and he's passed on, and I look, I look now at how people remember him and what he did and what we learned from him, and I'm like, okay, these are you know these are some of the things I want to have happen when I'm gone. You know, whether it's my employees, my wife, my kids, um, you know, those those are things that I want them to be proud of and have fond memories of me. So I I use a lot of that thinking to drive how I do a lot of things today, now that I'm older, I just like, okay, how would I want someone to remember me in, in this situation? And I go, okay, that's how I'm going to do this. And it might be painful, but that's how I'm going to do it. You know? Mm. So your perspective, I just found my perspective has changed tremendously, especially the last 10 years. As now I'm in my sixties, it's like night and day difference of how I think, even in, from my 40s and 50s. You're only in your 60s. You have a long ways to go. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. But <laughs> There's think, a lot of life left. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Lee? Uh, well, for me, my mission is driving this concept of objectively measurable holistic value in the world. And so I've got my operating methodology that hundreds of companies are using. And that's how they intentionally create more value. Yeah. How would I get it into thousands and thousands of companies? So I'm on a mission to do that. I've got a path. I'm going that direction. That's amazing. That'll make a dent in the world. Yeah. In a, in a really positive way. So I've had, and I'm sure you've had conversations like this too, um, where spouses of team members that I would work with um, uh, would tell me, in less than a year of working at your company, my husband or wife's a better person to live Yeah, with. I was just thinking that. Like, like what's, what do you guys smoking down there and i said well we have this special drink you know that no right but it, it's that intentional culture yeah. thinking about value creation and it's infectious right? right well i you know the way i look at it too a lot of these people don't get exposed to this type of thinking anywhere else i mean maybe they maybe they're lucky and go to church and get some but where else are they going to get it you know maybe a podcast maybe they watch a show but you know i think living that type of thinking every day at work which is a big chunk of your life then it does get brought back to home it gets brought back to your kids it gets brought back to a lot of people so i think as owners of companies there's a lot of responsibility we have to to not only make our companies work but we're we're in we're you know having impact on those families yeah well mark i think the the big difference is most people talk about these concepts yeah the way you and i are applying it we're a applying the concepts in the real world to create value. We're not talking Talk, yeah. about it. 
and I think that's where it makes the biggest difference to have it permeate out into the communities, especially yeah. the families, right? Yeah, you got to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Yeah. So apply it, no, just talk. Yep, it. yep. And I like to, you know, I like to kind of inspire my people to, uh, you know, I said, what are you going to do here? How you do? I I coach them, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to see what you guys are going to do with this situation. Come back. What do you think? Well, I'm going to do perfect. Yeah. Let's let's let it rip. Let's see what happens. You know, so. I always try to keep them positive and keep them on a positive path mm-hmm. in, in all the different situations that come you know, across our table every day in the week of yeah. doing houses and buildings. So, yeah. And, you know, so I stay current. Uh, I'm on the front lines every single day with our clients, mm-hmm. working with senior teams, middle management teams, frontline teams, um, sort of an equal brain in the room with them to create value faster. Right. Um, because what I'm what I've experienced is a lot of the gurus on the stages talking about a thing they haven't done it in so long they couldn't do the thing right. to state themselves or right. worse they've never done the thing right. but they're really good at talking about right. it. So I think it's important that we stay. We have to stay in the game. Yep. At least as much, if not more, than we talk about. Yeah, it. absolutely. I mean, you can only do so much film study in the back room. It's when you're on the field that that the scores counted. You know. Yeah. 100%. And so I love that. You know, and you can always go back and look at the film of how you played, but you got to get on the field. That's why, don't get me started on working from home, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Interesting, you mentioned working in a place that changes an individual. Uh, I've thought about this myself, where I think about my purpose in life and these components. And when you start taking time that you have in a week, when you remove the sleeping, the just, I have to survive as a human being time, it's about 24% of your week if you just work 40 hours. Right. A lot of people work more than that. So somewhere between a quarter plus of your time, that impacts you so much through all the other parts of your life. Right. So it makes sense that you would have people come and say, what, you know, what are you smoking over here? Because it's, it's so, a human being becomes so different because it's a quarter of their week, right. every week. It's a big part it's of life. That's huge. Yep, absolutely. How have you found mentorship being obviously you mentioned that's a that's a big that's a big piece for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Have you found that you now are mentors for others and the fulfillment that that brings and maybe younger leaders should always find a mentor. It's, it's and maybe never never ending to find a mentor. Always have somebody that you can have ideas to bounce off of and things like that. Yeah. I I think it's that. I mean, I I still have mentors. That I, you know, I have great clients that run huge companies and they're older than me. And, you know, I, I now that I've gotten older, I, I really, you know, I like to learn from them because of their perspective, where they are now. What have they, what have, what are they seeing at 70 and 80 that I'm not still seeing at 60? So there's, it's endless. It's an endless process, you know, and then some of that can filter down to my employees that are in their 40s and 50s or 30s or 20s, you know, mm. and I think what's interesting is the the employees that I have in their twenties. I think that I think they know about mentorship, but they don't still they don't seem to still get it. And I remember being twenty, and I didn't get it till I was probably in my thirties or forties. I go, man, I'm learning a lot from this guy. I got to stick around this guy a lot more. So get back to working from home. You don't get that working from home. Yeah. I'm sorry. You need to be on the field. You know. So yeah, mentorship is to me is very very important. Yeah, I I think it's incredibly important. You know, the the challenge when I was 20, 
I could think of all kinds of amazing things to tell myself, but then I have to back up and go, <laughs> what could I actually hear? Right. At, at that age. Right. And, yeah. and, and so when I'm, when I'm doing, um, I think of it as intentional value creation cultivation, like with every leader, every individual I, I come in contact with appropriately. Mm-hmm. And, and so what's the surgical approach to get them to cultivate their capabilities to create more value going forward. Yeah. And every leader is going to be different. Like, yeah. Um, why was their position created in the organization with their team to create value? How do we know that they're creating value and, and are they on track at risk or behind? And, and what, what would be the thing right now today surgically that they need to take a bigger step going forward next? And that moves all over the place. Yeah. You know, so leadership development isn't a one size fits all. It's every, it's individual. As you said earlier, it's individual. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a football team. You know, you have this, you have the center, you have the wide receiver, and they're both valuable. <laughs> if you if you let one down, and you, you got to focus on all of them equally to make a great team, you know, hundred percent. So, and they build a culture so they're creating value together. Yep. You know, one and one is five in that case. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And part of that too is you know not only do I need to value each of them for their ability, but they need to value each other. Mm-hmm. You know, the receiver again can't catch the ball if the tackle isn't making the block to have the quarterback throw the ball. Everyone's important on your team. Yeah. And they all have to have that respect for each other to, you know, make the product that we're trying to deliver happen. So it actually reminds me of the Phil Jackson quote where it's the strength of the team is the individual efforts, but the strength of the individuals is the team. Right. Where you, you can't you can't have one without the other. I totally believe that. Yep. Um yeah, uh, I also think about clarity moments. A lot, a lot of people will hit a ceiling. It's just natural in business. You hit ceilings where you have to break through. You have to change. You have to evolve into something else. Yep. Leaders see this all the time. I feel like this happened to me a few months ago where it was just like an aha. And you're like, oh, why didn't I think like this a month ago? And it just snaps. And then you just start consuming more and more of that knowledge that you was always available to you but was not it was like in a foreign language almost it it just didn't it didn't uh, resonate with you the same way it does now yeah um do you still experience these level ups these power-ups if you will uh at this point well when we were talking about football a minute ago i use this analogy a lot with my people it's like when they first when they first come in the door they see this much of the football field you know it's like a quarterback after three or four years it takes about five years so they see basically the field yeah it takes that long to get them where they're seeing the whole field. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, it keeps growing. Your cone of vision just gets wider and wider. And I still notice it even after 40 years, I, I, I see a wider, wider vision of the field. Mm-hmm. And I love that. You know, it's like the wisdom that you gain just doing this job every year and, you know, dealing with people and dealing with situations. You just realize there's a higher level to all of it if you just, if you're observant, you know, mm-hmm. and again, see a wider vision of the field. Yeah, I, I still feel like every year that goes by, I grew more than the previous three years. And then the next year goes by. So it's it's becoming exponential. It's exponential. Cultivating these, you know, abilities to create value. Yep. And, and right. being able to think more deeply about it, be more effective about it. 
I run uh, uh, CEO peer advisor groups. I call it Execute, mm-hmm. or Execute Masterminds. Mm-hmm. And the members are accelerating the value of their businesses so much faster applying this methodology and all that the stuff awesome. that I, you know, again, 40, 50 year overnight success story to get here, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a marathon, baby. Yeah. <laughs> now, I've been reading, I just finished a good book, 10 Times is, is Easier Than Two Times by okay. Benjamin Hardy. Mm-hmm. Great yeah. book. And it's it's true. Why, why push yourself to just two times of what you can do when you can push yourself to 10 times? It takes virtually the same effort, but you're just thinking much bigger. You're, you're thinking of a much wider field and pushing yourself to greater accomplishment, you know? So a book is really inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. I read the book. Um, yeah. 10X is easier than 2X. Yeah. It's mindset. We're, yeah, we're it's talking mindset. mindset here, right? So much of what we do is mindset. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think this uh, this concept you just have to keep moving when it gets tough. Yep, it's not the end of the world. Don't it's become the victim, right? Don't be a victim. It's a healthy struggle for you to cultivate, not having to deal with that struggle that way in the future, yep. and and get better. Yep. So trust the struggle, keep moving forward, learn from the struggle, physically, mentally, emotionally, never stop moving, and and it'll work. But yep. if you are a victim, you kind of swirl into a little pocket, and then you stay there forever. You, some can, which is terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think most people, sadly, choose to be the victim, mm-hmm. you know, because it's easier. You don't have to do anything. You can just sit there and woes me versus the people that, you know, push mm-hmm. through it and learn. It's amazing how fast you can de-victimize yourself and get out of the pothole. If you mm-hmm. just put a little bit of effort, it does not take that much sometimes. And, you know, I just I've learned I've learned that that, you know, mm-hmm. Just push yourself. And, and find the right mentors to help you yeah. through that, to help change perspective. Going on. But right now, culturally in the United States, there's a lot of sort of social capital around being a victim. Oh, look, I'm a victim. And then that gets leveraged somehow. Now, that, that's a thought pathogen, in my view, that's taking value out of the world at scale. Totally. Um, so let's get back to creating value. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I not agree with that more. And I think the media loves to play upon the victim. In mentality, because it's, it's, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know why, but that's great when you see a story of someone that's mm-hmm. fought through something, how inspiring that is. So mm-hmm. you know. I completely agree. I have a four year old and one of the, you know, I'm becoming this dad where it's have all these sayings that I want to make sure that are, <laughs> you know, he's going to, it's so embedded in the brain that it's impossible to be different. And uh, one of them is when things get hard, we try harder. Like yep. this is a thing and, and, or ask for help. Like this is, you know, it, you know, well, let you me tell you what I'm going push through everything, but yeah, yeah. you have to try to push through things. Right. Yeah. So I tell my, my company and I tell my kids we're candelaria design, not cantelaria design. Uh, <laughs> <I love this. laughs> yeah. So that goes right in that mindset, right? That's perfect. Don't tell me can't, that word doesn't work for me. You know, yeah, that's tell perfect. me how we can do this, you yeah. know, and it might, yeah, it's going to take a little effort, but, Absolutely. Do it, you know. Yeah, my uh, my favorite maxim this year is "Do less, better." Yeah, well, that goes right down that chapter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I love that. And I made T-shirts. There you go. Yeah, Pareto principle. Eighty twenty. Eighty twenty. You both are amazing. I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours, but uh, you have other things to do today at this event for keymakers. So uh, I'm gonna. We're gonna, we're gonna sign off. We're gonna say our adios. Um, this is awesome. Yeah. If uh, a listener wanted to get a hold of you or wanted to know more about your company, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, for us, it's candelariadesign.com, or you can go on my Instagram, candelariadesign.com, or mcandelariaarc.com. 
whatever it is on Instagram. You'll find me. I'm out there. I'll make sure in the show notes I have all the social for you. Yeah, and and for me, just go to etw.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. There you go. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You were both wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, and I appreciate uh, your time. Yeah, great job. Good good meeting you. (laughs) You too. Let's do some work.